in the Halo Championship Series. Might be ended here by Formal with the rocket launcher. What is up? We're back for your second episode of Esports Report. It's your boy, Money Monzon. I'm here with Skis. And Skis, what looked like was going to be a slow week in the esports scene turned out to be anything but that. How was your week, Skis? Tell me what's excited you from the week. My week was great. You know, uh, joining uh, Scump Stream, watching a little Halo all weekend was pretty fun. Um, you know, it was it was good good to see everybody back in a LAN event with fans there and having an open uh, side of the bracket to see some of these other teams that, you know, might not be like the optics, the phases, the cloud nines of the world getting a chance at a pretty large prize pool for the kickoff tournament in Halo. Yeah, and I think it's safe to say that Halo is back. Raleigh was electric and there were so many games from Thursday through Sunday, and some of the highlights, I mean, NA really performed. There was, I believe, eight international teams, and it was just NA domination. So after last week's uh, Valorant champions, NA still has some hope in, in the arena shooter scene. They do, they do, absolutely. Um, you know, with... With the way the tournament played out, uh, we had EU and Cloud9 in the finals. Uh, Cloud9 took care of business, going up 4-1 to win the whole thing. Um, yeah, the the international teams was a little, I mean, a little disappointing for the for the fans that are fans of international teams. Of course, we're NA. I mean, we're gonna love the NA teams, and so it was really good to see them have the success that they did this weekend in rally and so you heard in our intro formal made his uh debut with sentinels and it was a good one sentinels lost their first matchup with optic in formal formal's revenge showdown and then came back and beat them in the losers bracket with a brilliant performance from formal what did you see from the former call of duty man Man, how about that? The game five in the Slayer. First off, I would lo I love Slayer in this. I love Slayer as a competitive game mode in Halo because it's it's always interesting to see. Like sometimes, like the first team to get five picks, you know, they just start hiding. Everybody starts hiding, and it just comes down to. It's really one of the most strategic games game modes that there is from a competitive standpoint, with all the power weapons and the uh, breaks and all that stuff. Uh, it was really amazing to see Formal in that Game 5 Slayer go. I think he went 21-9. and nine. I mean, that's ridiculous. You played a 50, and he got 21 of the kills himself. That is some ridiculous stats. Um, it was interesting to me to see the mix of former Halo pros that have been in the scene for a long time and the newcomers that haven't had any professional halo experience and the perfect example of that is the cloud nine roster um you have echo kevin smith who's been in the scene for uh, almost a decade at this point and then you have yes. younger players um alongside him like penguin 
that kind of blend of experience and youth seemed to pay off big time for them. Yeah, um, I think Penguin's been playing for a little while, but I mean, he's definitely younger than Ego and uh, like Renegade's been around for forever as well. I mean, it was good to see Penguin get his first major win. Uh, all the three other uh, players that he's playing with right now all have tons of major wins and experience. Um, and I think that with those three players knowing what they needed in their fourth, they go to Penguin and say, hey, like, I know you haven't had sex- success in the past, but um, they brought him under his wing and he's taught them a lot and he's certainly learned from them and they got to show it off in Raleigh and they just took care of business through the winner's bracket and it, didn- it never seemed as though that they had any doubt that they were going to win the whole thing. Yeah, they certainly looked a confident side. EU is another side that looked very confident. You have a uh, player in uh, King Nick who's hitting the scene hard. He has a little bit of former experience, but um, looked really good throughout the tournament, and that was a big surprise for me because I had circled Optic, Sentinels, and Cloud9 coming into this tournament. And one thing I think... Well, I mean, I guess they can't really do it any differently, but one thing I think that maybe the HCS could look into is putting phase optic and sentinels kind of on opposite sides of brackets because I mean, optic plays sentinels, knocks them to the losers, optic plays phase, knocks them to the losers, and then optic plays the juggernaut in cloud nine and has to go to losers and play all those like really good teams again. Um, and then EU United just has to play. I mean, who did they? Play? I don't even know who they played really to make it through losers. Um, but it, it was weird because they all just knocked each other out before um, they could really do anything. Yeah, EU came down and knocked out Phase and losers final to come yeah, back and right. play C9 again. Yeah, well, that was a wild event from Raleigh, and I mean, you look at a prize pool where the winning team is getting one hundred forty thousand dollars, and Halo has only just been released a m- month ago. The future of Halo is bright, and it's back, and the community has united in a way that it hasn't been in a very long time, and it's really exciting to see. It is. I I love. Man, I just love the fact that they brought back like open the open tournament idea where these people can make up teams and enter the tournament and show what they have against the best of the best. It's really exciting not only for young players, but um, there's also huge marketing potential for content creators. Uh, you, I mean, you saw it in Valorant, and I'll draw a lot of parallels to Valorant in this podcast, but Shroud put together a team of just, you know, really good ranked players and content creators and entered a tournament and tried to make it to Valorant champions. And they won a couple of matchups and uh, viewership for the lower rounds of the tournament were at an all time high, which is excellent. Yeah. Um, One thing that I saw earlier by a tweet that Hitch put out, he's an optic guy. Um, He's a part of optic, but he's a content creator and, uh, he said, how do these pros make Optic look so fun? Or how do these pros make Optic fun to watch? And because at a, from a content creating standpoint, he feel, I guess he feels that there's not a lot of 
opportunity to make optic fun to watch necessarily because of how strategic it is and there's no like super um contrasting abilities necessarily i mean you have like a grapple you have the repulsor and stuff like that um but i, I don't know i i really enjoyed watching halo this weekend i watched all saturday i watched a little bit friday and then of course all of champion sunday it was it was really fun and it it was a lot of fun to watch that golden boy bravo and onset on the call it was you know a blast from the past and, and an excellent make, one I mean, yeah a little uh appearance as well yeah i love to see that and you know this halo in professional play is not your pub's halo it's not your grandfather's halo you're watching slayer and you're not just meeting in the middle of the map trying to grab rockets and it's just an absolute shit show. You you have players counting rockets. You have you know players sitting back in spawn and holding when they have leads and when they know that there's rockets in play. The amount of strategy that goes into such a simple game mode like Slayer is remarkable and that's what separates them from you know the the Onyx players in ranked. Yep, absolutely. All right, so that's our Halo recap. There's going to be a lot more of that coming up. It is only just the beginning. We had big news coming out of the CDL this week, Skis. We have a new team entering uh, Oxygen, part of the Craft Ownership Group, uh, forms Oxygen Boston? Ox yes, Boston yep. Oxygen? I'm, I'm not sure if that's what it's going to be called, but they're based out of Boston for sure. They haven't necessarily put Oxygen Boston as their name yet but they will be based out of Austin. Yes. So it's a team that is owned uh, in partnership with Oxygen Gaming uh, by the Kraft Ownership Group, who owns the New England Revolution, more notably the New England Patriots in Foxborough. Um, that really shakes things up. You look at the Call of Duty rosters, and most of them are all formed out. We talked last week, Skis, about um, how London is going to have a hard time competing if they're just trying to get some of the pros that are available as free agents and how they need to dip into the contenders what do you think oxygen does here with uh most of the big name players swooped up well it seems as though methods is their guy i mean he's probably gonna take the igl lead and he's gonna be like their number one player um from there i'm not 100 percent sure on what they're going to do um i haven't heard any like set roster for them uh maybe they maybe tj tj haley and venom maybe um i think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out but in the grand scheme of things call of duty league finally gets their 12th team that they need even though it still doesn't make sense to me that they only have 12 teams you need 16 to make an even bracket um it's just it's kind of disappointing that we're celebrating getting to 12 teams when you can't even have an even bracket out of the that number of teams yeah i yeah call of duty leagues uh, never ceases to surprise um i would be interested to see if oxygen goes the way of temp um he had a mixed bag of a season last year but I think that he's a young enough player that he could bring a spark to a team like Oxygen. And I think in contrast to what we were saying about London needing to dip into the contenders and find some youth, 
to be competitive this year. I think that Oxygen needs to go the other way, and they need to pick up some of these big names that are free agents because if you're starting a franchise, you need to excite the fan base. And going into contenders, as exciting as that might be for people like you and I, Skis, and people that might be interested in this podcast that we're having, the casual viewer um, won't really be getting up for that. And it won't know some of these players coming out of contenders. So I think that getting some marquee names to start your franchise and get some hype built is going to be the way to go for them. Uh, yeah, I think I think uh, that's probably the way that they have to go. Um, they They just... Oxygen just announced their general manager a few days ago, and it's going to be Dens. Um, and so that's kind of interesting to me because he played with guys like um, Tommy, uh, Zed, Wuskin, and those guys. Uh, so I think I think that's really good for them. I think they can they can uh, kind of get a younger group going over there and. I think Denz would be a good guy to relate to them a little bit better and get a little fire lit under their butt a little bit. And actually, I mean, from scrims so far, they've been playing well for having different guys kind of each scrim. Um, but I think once I get a set roster, then I think it'll be, I think that's going to be a good team to watch as well with methods over there. So do you think that opens the door for scraps with Denz? He has that uh, UK connection. It could, it could. Um, I didn't really think about that actually, but um, that could open a door for him to get in there. Um, I don't know the logistics behind that necessarily, but it could open a door. Yeah, the international stuff right now with COVID and getting work visas and things can be a little convoluted. Yeah. Other news in the CDL this week was uh, Control is confirmed as the third game mode. What does that? Uh, how does that impact play? Do you think, Skeets, with these uh, teams? Um, I'm excited for it personally. I've heard a little bit of Scump and Dylan and Shotzi kind of talking about it. They're not too pumped about it because of the spawn system in this game, because they're squad spawns. So like, you can spawn wherever on the map as long as there's one te- one teammate alive, you're gonna spawn on them. So it's it's gonna be interesting from a offensive and defensive side to see how teams kind of navigate the spawns in that particular game mode. I mean, with uh, with hardpoint and um, I mean, search and destroy is obviously a non-respawn mode, but with hardpoint, it's kind of easier to navigate because you're always pushing a single uh, position as opposed to having two separate bombs that you have to go to try to plant and defend. Yeah, and having people flanking through one bomb site could really create some problems. If a team gets down bad during a game, it could end up being an absolute avalanche of a game for that team. I think it'll be exciting, though, um, as opposed to having to run across the map when you spawn. It'll be it'll definitely be exciting. I think, I think the time to engagement in Call of Duty is going to be a lot higher than it was last year, even though last year it was very quick as well, um, just because of the spawn system in this game. You think it's going to be faster? Yeah, the the time to contact is just going to be ridiculously fast. Yeah. Because, like, so say 
three of your teammates go down and you have one guy on control and he's like right by B and the other teams around him, your team is still going to spawn on you, even though you're surrounded by the other team, you're not going to spawn out into your own base. You're going to spawn right on your guy. And so everybody is just going to be fighting every, every time they spawn into the map and people are going to be killed off spawn. Like people are going to be watching people spawn in and just laser them. And it's, it's going to be a little interesting. I think yeah. there might be a little tweaking needed to be made, but I don't know. And we've seen that happen before in past CDL seasons when where Activision has had to adjust the way spawns work or maybe the way that a, the sniper rifle mechanics work, things like that. Um, aim assist through smoke. We've, we've seen in the past and hopefully they won't be shy to make the changes necessary to create a good viewing experience for the CDL community. Right. Well, we have other Call of Duty news. Um, we have lots of other Call of Duty news. The the Warzone variety. Let's start with uh, the Warzone LAN. Warzone had one of its largest LAN events to date this past weekend. Uh, everybody met up in Vegas, I believe, and there was 30 players playing custom LAN for $100,000. Um, you have some really familiar names at the top, and you have some really familiar names that uh, didn't even cash. So let's go over that a little bit. I think skis for me um Tommy and Allman have been if not the most consistent one of the most consistent duos they've been together for two years playing in tournaments making tons of money together they complement each other excellently Allman is a calming presence to Tommy's sometimes crazy and they take home the fifty thousand dollar prize on the flip side of the coin um kind of surprising to see Swag and Booyah in the bottom half of the field finishing 10th um Diaz Biffle, a lot of people consider him the best Warzone player in the world. He played with Super Evan. They've had a lot of success together, finished in second. Destroy and Z Laner also two very, very consistent names in the competitive Warzone scene. Uh finished third. And Iceman Isaac, kind of surprising. I don't think he's rated as one of the best players more of a content creator he finishes fourth with wars who is a maniac from the uk so an interesting tournament there anything stand out to you skis um i'm not necessarily surprised by swag and booyah just because um in, in my eyes they're more content creator type guys right i mean booyah's cracked swag is cracked but like i don't know if they necessarily go into this tournament thinking like yo we need to win this thing like i think they're doing it for i mean they're obviously in it to win it but i don't think they're putting in the time to like go into like scrim mode and win a tournament like this um especially with the prize pool being for the top three placements only um but yeah it's it's i mean tommy and almond that's i mean that's expected honestly <laughs> like they're two of the best in the game for sure um I want to is who is Max Holloway? Is that the That's the that fighter. A, yeah, okay. and he I fought was, in Vegas. He yeah. fought in Vegas later that weekend or or the before. The yeah. That's that's pretty cool to see people like that joining these uh Warzone tournaments. And he's played uh, uh quite a few like of these celebrity content creator pro Warzone trio tournaments with like um Teep and and Teep's crew. 
so he's been around the scene and he's he's a very good player he's he puts up you know 10 15 kills but to, i looked down this list and i was like some of these things don't belong <laughs> yeah i was looking down the list as well and i saw max holloway i was like that's got to be the fighter if it's not that's really weird for somebody's name to be that <laughs> yeah but yeah that was that's cool to see that so a couple other little notes um Aiden FIFA kill, um, two of the best players in the game. Kind of surprising to see them not make any money in this tournament. I would have rated them to to beat Diaz and and destroy his teams. Um, Huskers and Noobs have been playing together for a while, and also two of the most consistent players. Uh, they don't even crack the top five. Uh, there is an interesting player here that I think is lesser known in the Warzone community, down at 11th. Bobby Poff, big name. More of a content creator. I don't really associate him as being a fragger. Um, he's got no his sticks and stuff. Um, but Dilster, uh, used formerly Baby Dilster, and back in the blackout days, um, there would be blackout tournaments on um, CGM and things like that, and he consistently won all of them. But I haven't seen much of him in Warzone and in these big tournaments for Warzone since that came out. So it's interesting to see him entering the scene, and I'd be interested to see if he stays in the scene and what happens because he was a very, very good player for the Black Ops 4 Battle Royale. Yeah, I didn't even... I, I had never even heard of the name until you brought him up. That's uh, interesting he's playing with Bobby Poff. Uh, Bobby Poff's... Uh, what it, what are those people called that auction uh, auctioneer his auctioneer voices <laughs> yeah it's really funny. hilarious but yeah i would definitely i mean i would definitely consider him more of a content guy as well um a great follow on I mean, tiktok if you uh want a good laugh <laughs> yeah exactly um but I, I wonder if i wonder if the reason like some of these guys like aiden and huskers aren't in the top three are because people are playing a different style than they're used to with um, with Caldera instead of with Verdansk, um, which could be the could be the case. But I'm not. Then again, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe these, this map just suits these other people a little bit better. Yeah, there's a lot of variables involved. It, also, you're playing against a bunch of pros, and. Tommy Nauman have a more reserved aggression. They're they're smarter with their aggression when you watch them play these these duo tournaments. Um, they don't like to lose, so they make very smart plays. And you watch Huskers. Huskers thinks that he is the best player in the world by a large margin. So he will push anybody in any situation, even if he's in a you know bad position, and he'll ego challenge. And I think that that doesn't fit Caldera. And that also doesn't fit playing against pros. So maybe Huskers being down there is uh, makes a little more sense when you look at it from a closer perspective. Other Warzone news. Courage JD, who recently uh, re-upped with YouTube Gaming for his streaming, 100 Thieves uh, co-owner, I believe, at this point. He has announced that he will no longer be streaming Warzone ever. He will be streaming Apex, he will be streaming Fortnite, he will be playing all sorts of games as a variety streamer, but he will not be playing Warzone because it frustrates him too much. Does that do anything yeah. to 
Warzone. How does that affect Warzone? We talked last week I mean, about the fragile state of Warzone. People are already saying that they're not going to be playing as much Warzone. Uh, people are already saying that they're going to quit, but he's the first person that came out and said he deleted the game. Uh, I think that's a very strong statement made by Courage. And I think it reaches out to a lot of different communities coming from Courage because of his uh, background in Fortnite and Fortnite casting um, and things like he even used to, I mean, he used to do Call of Duty casting and stuff like that, too, uh, which I mean, I think that hurts Warzone a little bit. But at the end of the day, I don't think Warzone is going to feel much pain from that necessarily, because I mean, at the end of the day, Warzone is a very casual game and everybody likes sitting down and killing people quickly. Yeah, I agree. I think that Courage on his own isn't going to move the scale at all. If this is a domino effect and you see other creators the size of Courage also leaving the scene and in succession with each other, I think that's when it gets a little bit dicey for Warzone. I think this LAN really helped a lot you got to see the best players in the community coming together and laughing having a good time and uh, those kind of events i think bring the community together and that was much needed for this community and it came at the right time and also comes with some weapon weapon tuning that warzone has done taking out some of the bloom which i think was the worst decision that any dev has made for this game and oh, it's absolutely. kind of baffling um, so there's been a couple good things happen for Warzone this week that I think puts it in a little more stable situation. Yeah, that being said, I, I mean, we were talking about this earlier before we got on the podcast. Um, I don't think that I can sit down and play Warzone for an extended period of time anymore. Uh, it's It's just gone downhill, in my opinion. Plus, I've started loving Apex a lot. Um, I love the abilities. I love, I love that there's more to the game than just shooting in a straight line. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you, and I think that, you know, after two years of playing Warzone almost every day, the game has gotten stale. And I was hoping that Caldera would be the refresh and the second win that I needed to continue to enjoy the game. Um, but instead, it was the thing that pushed you over the edge. Yeah, and now I'm I'm watching this Krampus event, and I'm thinking to myself, why would I even want to get on that game? No, why would you want to get into a game when you're having a bu- or you have a bunch of kills, and then you get trapped in the tent by Krampus, just like Teep? Yeah, Teep is on a PR pace for Caldera. He's at peak. The zone is coming in from southwest, I believe. And Krampus traps him in a tent after he's just killed two people. He's low on health. He's trying to get out. Krampus traps him in a tent, and he dies to his own. Now, can you imagine that? Like, how frustrating of an experience is that? And for what? Why is it there? It doesn't add anything to the game. Call of Duty players aren't getting on the game because they want Christmas spirit. They probably want the opposite. Exactly. They yeah. want to get away from all the Christmas stuff. That's why you're on the game. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know why that needs to be in every lobby. Like, why is that a thing? I would understand that having a special mode. 
that you could click yeah, on if you specifically he wanted it. Playing, he's not playing that mode. Yeah, no, but you that's know? the point, right? Like, if there are, if there is a small part of your community that wants this nichey stuff for every holiday, put it in there in a special mode, and leave the rest of the game the fucking same. Part of my language. Got me all riled up. <laughs> the game I love is dying, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to some happier news. Um, last week was a rare slow week in the Counter-Strike scene, but the largest eSport in the world, at least from a first-person shooter perspective, was back in full blast for the last premiere uh, 100K. No, that's it's not 100K, excuse me, I got that wrong. The Blast World Final, and it was a million-dollar prize pool. And that was in Copenhagen, Denmark. Um, Simple was MVP of the tournament. Again, this is coming off of his brilliant performance to win his first ever major. Widely regarded as the best Counter-Strike player of all time, he had a plus 155 kills to deaths. That is just remarkable, especially when he only played... 15 maps. Uh, Skis, I know that you aren't um, as engaged in the CS scene as I am, so I will talk about here briefly what went down in this tournament. It was a smaller tournament. It was only um, eight teams. Team Liquid in the opening round got paired against Navi, the coming off of their major win, and against all odds, the American team led by Elige and Stewie2k, pulled off a 2-1 upset, which sent Navi to the lower bracket finals. Gambit promptly beat Liquid and sent Liquid to the lower bracket finals. Uh, Vitality made it all the way through to the upper finals to play Gambit. Gambit advanced to the grand final. In the lower finals, uh, Navi got the revenge against Liquid 2-0, and in the final against Gambit, they played Mirage, Ascent, and Inferno, and after going down one map to zero on Mirage, Navi wins Ancient, wins Inferno to take home the championship, repeat in large tournaments, end the season on an absolute tear. Uh, it was it was exciting to watch, especially after Liquid pulls the upside, upset against Navi. Nobody expected that. It kind of it energized the American CS scene, and you saw a lot of former CS pros, current CS pros, streaming the Blast Premier uh, tournament on their streams because they were excited to see if Liquid could pull off this big upset. Unfortunately, they couldn't. Uh, Europe reigns supreme still in the CS scene. It has been that way since day one. It continues to this day. But it sure was an exciting tournament and some exciting performances from Simple. That will be our brief recap of the CS scene. Skis, let's move on to our top five players of the week. I want you to start me off with your number one. Uh, my number one player for the week... Um, it's going to be a little controversial because he didn't necessarily he wasn't necessarily the best on his team but I'm going to go with Penguin. 
because Penguin, uh, he has never won a major tournament for uh, Halo, and he finally gets his major tournament win with the help of his teammates. Uh, he does go, he does do really well in the last match. Um, I mean, then again, they didn't have much of a problem beating EU. Um, but I think I think Penguin brings to the table a very Slayer mindset to Cloud9 with three older players. Uh, he's he's always taking first contact. He's always um, the guy that kind of opens up different pushes for his team. And I think he is the reason why Cloud9 was able to uh, run through this tournament like they did. So that's my number one for the week. And an excellent one indeed. Number two for me is going to be simple. I just talked about his kill-to-death difference. His kill-to-death average was 1.52, which is absolutely unheard of in Call of, in uh, excuse me Counter-Strike. He had a 1.42 rating. This is his second straight tournament as tournament MVP. What else can you say? The Navi man takes it home for me. I, um, so my next one, so number three, right? I'm going to go with Ryan Noob. He plays for EU. He's on a Halo player, obviously. Um, he, he was the only player on EU that was putting up a fight against, against, um, oh, why am I forgetting the team's name right now? Cloud <laughs> nine. Cloud, yeah, <laughs> he was the only player that really showed a presence against Cloud Nine. Um, he was, he's also one of those players that has been around the scene for a while. He knows the game very well. Um, he's also one of those guys that's taking first contact in these fights. I don't necessarily have any stats pulled up for him, but I wrote him down in my notes as I was watching the final match and. He was the only guy on EU that had any any business being in competition with Cloud9 for me. Excellent. Coming in at number four, I think that um, this this could have been one of two people, but I'm going to give it to Almond. Uh, everybody talks about 100T Tommy. He's a big figure. He's been around the Call of Duty community. Uh, he was in the CDL for a while. Now he's a, a prominent figure in Warzone, but I think that overlooked sometimes is Allman. He is remarkably consistent. He is an absolute fragger, and his presence to the team with Tommy, his calm head, his cool hand, it really makes this duo, and I think that Allman deserves the number four spot on our list, bringing home $50,000 in a Warzone LAN event against what is a comprehensive list of the best Warzone players in the world. He's, he's been accused of cheating before. He's had multiple cameras on his stream. He's showed his PC. He's done all of that crap that these players have to go through sometimes. He has now done it on a LAN against the best players in the world, and he deserves more recognition. So my number four is Almond. Absolutely. Um, for number five this week, I'm going to give it to Formal. I'm gonna give it to Formal. He he uh he shined when he needed to against Optic. His I mean his former employer, still employer. I mean, uh, Formal goes in, plays Optic, uh, struggles the first couple maps, uh, comes out game five, 
when it mattered the most and goes 21 and nine in Slayer. Uh, I mean, this guy is an absolute beam when he has the BR in his hand. Um, formal coming from Call of Duty into Halo. Uh, it, it's just amazing to see how quick of a turnaround he can do that. Um, I mean, obviously he was a Halo guy before, so he has experience, but coming from Call of Duty into Halo and showing off against his former um, optic buddies over there was fun to watch say like to say the least and, and the atmosphere was electric you could feel it from the other side of the monitor how electric it was, it was almost was. awkward it was almost awkward when he did it because optic fans didn't know what to do because their team just lost but you have this guy informal who's meant so much to optic over the past few years and you can't help but be excited for that guy when he showed off the way he did against them well skis you're an optic guy how did you feel I felt awkward. I was so I like I I was watching it and I was like, dang, Optic just lost, but I'm super happy for Formal. Like I was more happy for Formal than I w I was mad that Optic lost. Excellent. Well skis, I think that wraps up our show for today. A quick note on programming we are now on spotify all of our podcast episodes will be on spotify as they will be on stitcher we're going to work on other outlets you can watch the vods on both my twitch channel twitch.tv backslash money and skeezers twitch channel twitch.tv backslash lil skeezers that's l-i-l skeezers uh we will be back next week for, with another banger of a show if you have anything you'd like us to talk about or other platforms you'd like to see the podcast on uh, please reach out to us on our twitches on our spotify's any chance you get we also have a twitter it's going to be at esports report us feel free to tweet at us any ideas we also have content on there we'll be retweeting different uh breaking news that happen in the esports world skis thank you and until next week we'll see you next time